Blog Talk Radio. Neither aiming at originality of principle or sentiment, nor yet copied from any particular previous writing, it was intended to be an expression of the American mind and to give to that expression the proper tone and spirit called for the occasion. very midst of revolution, the most complete, unexpected, and remarkable of any in the history of the world. Every post and every day rolls in upon us independence like a torrent. Our obligations to our country never cease, but with our lives. We must all hang together, or most assuredly, we shall all hang separately. Why is it we hesitate? For God's sake, let us come to the final separation. The birthday of the new world is at hand. The tree of liberty is watered with the blood of patriots and tyrants both. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another. And to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men that all men that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that to secure these rights governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends. It is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and institute new government. Laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form. As to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that government long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations Pursuing invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. It is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies. And such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. 
for the representative of the United States of America. In general, Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, due in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly published and declared that these United Colonies are, and of right, ought to be free and independent states. That they are absolved from all allegiance to the British Crown. And that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is, and ought to be, totally dissolved. And as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce. And to do all other acts and things which independent states may have right to. And for the support of this declaration. With a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes. And our sacred honor. Why so large, Mr. Hancock? So that Fat George can read it all the way from London without using this spectacle. <laughs> <laughs> On this day, we light a great torch of freedom. Huzzah! I am an American. I, 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 we are American. Our citizenship in the United States is our national character. Our citizenship in any particular state is only our local distinction. By the latter, we are known at home. By the former, to the world. Our great title is America. I love that. Every time I hear it, it gets a teardrop. And the Declaration of Independence is and ought to be totally, totally dissolved. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the C. Robert Jones Conservative Report. I'm Cool Mike. Surprise, surprise. Nope. Till April 11th. I am sitting in for Dr. Jones, kind of an annual ritual for me, while he takes his three-week uh, three vacation. God knows where he is now, whether it's in St. Thomas or the Virgin Island. Who knows? Uh, just a couple of weekly programming notes. I'm very excited about uh, all this week. Tomorrow, Craig Miller US, uh, for U.S. Congress. He's running in the 3rd District from Florida as a Republican, former CEO of uh, Ruth Chris uh, Steakhouse, and a uh, very good conservative uh, under attack by an awful lot of Republicans down there in Florida. Apparently he feels that rhinos uh, are ruining the party. And Thursday night of all nights, if there's a night to listen, everybody, Wow, I cannot believe that uh, on Thursday night, it's Constitution 101 class. The president of Hillsdale College, which is the conservative college in the United States, they advertise on Rush Limbaugh as well. Larry Arndt, he is going to join us, and actually um, we're going to ask him constitutional questions. Um, wow, I'm really, really excited. Uh, he's going to talk about the Declaration and just a lot of the great things that they're doing at Hillsdale College. Um, 
the dean at Hillsdale College, um, one of the assistant deans, I should say, um, attended my high school, so I reached out to him. He made this happen, and I'm really, really excited. There's probably uh, probably most people, when they look at the Constitution, they look at him as uh, probably one of the top five, at least from the conservative standpoint, of people who know the Constitution in the United States. And with that being said and done, talk about history. Uh, what happened today in history? I have, I think I have Annie and Sharon on the line, but hang on a second. We're going to take eh, about a minute. We're going to see what happened today in history. Well, hang on, i got to refresh my screen. I always like to look back on uh, history and see what happened on this date. April 3rd, 1968. In Memphis, Tennessee, civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. gives this speech on the night before his assassination. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. 1936, Bruno Richard Hauptmann is electrocuted in Trenton, New Jersey for the kidnap and murder of aviator Charles Lindbergh's infant son. 1948, President Harry Truman signs the Marshall Plan. The aid package helps European allies rebuild after World War II and resist communism. 1882, Jesse James, the notorious Wild West outlaw, is shot to death in St. Joseph, Missouri. Robert Ford, a member of the James Gang, pulls the trigger. James' brother Frank surrenders months later. 1860, another iconic chapter from America's Wild West years. The legendary Pony Express begins service between St. Joseph, Missouri and Sacramento, California. And 1924. Hey, Actor Marlon Brando was born in Omaha, Nebraska. Among his movie credits, A Streetcar Named Desire, On the Waterfront, and The Godfather. Today in History, April 3rd, Sandy Cozell, The Associated Press. All righty, this day in history, I always like uh, this day in history. First thing is first, I think I have Sharon uh, with me. Uh, Sharon, is that you, Area Code 707? That's me. Oh, I am honored to have you. Thank you so much for joining us from the beautiful West Coast. Oh, how is uh, how's everything going? Everything's great. Uh, we love this area, even though we kind of feel embedded in the midst of unbelievable liberalism out here on the West Coast in the San Francisco Bay Area. But, uh, you know, we're not leaving. This is our place, too, and we're going to stay here because San Francisco's beautiful, and we've been invested here over, well, I don't know, how long have we been living here now? Over 30 years. So, Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. And also, I'm going to bring on Annie, who is my co-host, or who is the co-host with Southern Sense. Annie, welcome. Good afternoon, my co-host. Uh, Annie meet Sharon and Sharon meet Annie. Before we even uh, begin any kind of introductions, I have a uh, kind of a touching special announcement. It's kind of uh, um, it's kind of neat to be able to do something uh, something like this. Uh, so hang on a second, you two. Uh, today's show is in loving memory of World War II veteran and former MIA U.S. Army Private First Class Victor P. Corsini. His remains were recently recovered in Germany by an excavator after almost 57 years. The U.S. Department of Defense, POW Missing Action Personnel, announced Monday that the remains uh, of, World War II, of, of the World War II veteran have been identified. 
Most of his family has passed, but uh, the remains have been sent to Las Vegas where a funeral and full military service will be honored. Corzini was killed on December 11th when an enemy artillery shell fell from the tree. Ongoing German counterattacks prevented recovering his remains. Following World War II, the Army Grave Registration Service conducted many investigations but could not find him or many of the other 73,000 missing bodies. In Europe in 1951, after several searches of the area, it was concluded that uh, Corzini's remains were uncoverable and uh, found basically uh, a year or so ago. But anyway, what a today's show is in loving memory of that hero. Um, I always like to uh, give tribute to a veteran, as we do on most of our shows. And Wow, 57 years finally being brought home. He and all of our troops uh, don't know what to say. We can never thank him enough. We'll start uh, with Sharon. you want to make a comment regarding what I – oh, he was from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, sadly, the dude was probably a damn Steelers fan. But anyway, can't all be perfect. Sharon, you <laughs> want to go ahead and make a comment, and then Annie, I'll have you comment regarding uh, the finding of Mr. Corzini. Well, I think it's awesome that you are doing this in honor of him. And I was born in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, so, um, you know, uh, double kudos on all counts. Uh, I really appreciate the fact that you do this because in today's, you know, uh, unpopular war that's going on, we aren't supporting our troops as much as we should, whether, you know, it's Army Specialist uh, Victor Corsini or, you know, our young boys that are and girls that are still over there. So I, I think I just think it's great you're doing that. All right, Annie? Yeah, I I will echo those sentiments, and I just want to remind everyone that this past Thursday was the first celebration of Vietnam Veterans Day. So to all the Vietnam veterans out there, I want to say thank you, God bless um, you deserved a lot better. You deserved to be recognized back in 1973 after the fall of Saigon. And I am so proud that we finally have the chance to do that and say thank you. Yep. Yes. All I, right. I, I, can I just add on to that? You know, my Absolutely. husband is a my husband's a Vietnam vet, and so I concur with you, Annie. And my dad was in World War II and the Korean War, and I just took a couple of my tiny little granddaughters to a veterans building so that they could meet some of the vets there. I think it's up to our generation to make sure that we pass on what sounds like we all value dearly and deeply in our hearts to the next generation. So when we pass the baton on to them, they know what that baton means and what it is and what they're supposed to do with it, whether it has to do with, you know, fighting for our freedom on the battlefield or right here at home, such as you're doing with your radio show. Wow. Uh, from a military family, Sharon, and Pennsylvania, does it get any more American than that? I bet high school football <laughs> was huge in your family. <laughs> Absolutely. And my dad my dad worked in the steel mills there and uh, some of my uncles in the coal mines. So, you know, a lot of what Rex Santorum uh, talks about resonates with me in terms of, you know, just the down-home all American Americans that have made America great. Not only that, but uh, both sets of my grandparents came over here from uh, Eastern Europe, from Czechoslovakia and Yugoslavia. So, you know, it's uh, 
this is not just a philosophy for me or something that I've adhered to in terms of thinking of America being exceptional and being patriotic and doing what we're doing with changing worldviews, but it comes deep from deep, deep roots that I know so many probably of your listeners uh, can relate to as well. No, that, that's very true, and, and people uh, look at their lives in a very, very narrow frame, and they don't think about someone else having um, unusual experiences or having done something unusual. Um, my father was a World War II vet. His father, a World War I veteran. My ex-husband was a, a Marine that served in Vietnam. His father served in Vietnam, Korea, and World War II, as well as his mom. You know, my current husband lost his twin in Vietnam. Uh, so we are all a united family, and the fact that we ignore our military is so disheartening, and I'm so glad that my show, Jermaine's show, this show, takes the time to say thank you. Matter of fact, yeah. uh, the week of April 23rd to 27th, we have the Independence Fund helping the uh, Iraq and Afghanistan wounded uh, veterans here in Beaufort, South Carolina. I'm sponsoring a hole in that golf tournament, and I will be doing a live broadcast with these veterans during that week. Yeah, that's awesome. Hopefully, oh, you are. We're going to do that for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to get all the logistics. Uh, we're hoping Good. that this golf course, we do believe it has the Wi-Fi, I can do it. Otherwise, what I'll do is I'll make arrangements uh, to meet in an area that we can do a broadcast and get them to talk. Uh, and if I have to, I'll do tape and then have them call into the show. And, you know, we're going to work it out. That'd be sweet. Before we actually get into uh, going on individual uh, questions here, uh, for those who don't, I'm going to post uh, a uh, show this was uh, one of Mrs. Hughes' show, um, IBM and the Holocaust. She, Edwin Black was a guest. Um, the Changing World Views has some really, really good shows. I actually discovered it one one day. Ever give me time off. When I have time off, I'll tell you, I get myself into more <laughs> trouble, whether it's online or whatever it may be. But uh, I was just listening, and it was, the individual was – I always like individuals who have accomplished a lot in life who can speak like a layperson. Because a lot of times you listen to these shows and these people are using these big words. I'm thinking, what in the hell is this guy saying? And, it, you know, people in the chat room are like, does anyone understand this guy? But anyway, it's a really good show. And uh, with that being said, why don't you tell us a little bit about Changing Worldviews uh, and about what, the purpose of uh, of exactly kind of the direction you, you guys are taking this show. And also, um, Deborah Ray, who did a show on Changing Worldviews today, had an individual, you have to listen to this. This is about an individual whose family escaped from Iran um, just before the fall of uh, of the Shah. And the individual who was her guest is not only now transformed to a Christianity, but he is a candidate for governor. And I sent that, uh, I sent the recording um, today to my friend who's just got promoted at Boeing. He's quite a big shot, very involved in politics. So I told him to check this guy out. So with that being said, why don't we give the comm to you, Sharon, for a little bit and explain exactly about changingworldviews.com, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll post the link in the chat room as well. Well, thank you so much. You know, I've been doing radio nine years now. I can't hardly believe it. And that came out of the fruit of my husband, Dwayne, 
who threw his hat in the ring to run for U.S. Congress out here in the San Francisco Bay Area against a liberal, Lynn Woolsey. That may not be a name known to a lot of your listeners, but she was backed by Bill and Hillary Clinton. He ran in 94 and 96 in uh, what is considered one of the most liberal areas in the entire United States, Marin County, Sonoma County, the wine country. Many folks may know what that is when because I'm not sure how broad the audience here is probably clear across the United States. But anyway, out of that, uh, just he did an amazing job and had uh, amazing support. And even though he didn't win because of the huge Clinton machine, uh, a lot of grassroots things were started here in our area. And out of that came our radio show. And so we are broadcast out of my flagship station on KDIA AM 1640 right out of the San Francisco Bay Area and were heard uh, across the nation as well on other stations. And we started doing Blog Talk Radio um, last year as a venue so that my co-hosts, such as Deborah Ray that you mentioned, Mike, and Audrey Russo also, who's from New York, she's an actress and singer, a writer, and she's amazing, a Messianic Jew, and her heart is Israel, what's going on in the Middle East, and it gives opportunity for them and, and some other co-hosts that I have to also have their own shows when we can't, you know, obviously be all in the same studio here in San Francisco. So uh, that's why we started on Blog Talk Radio. We're here every Tuesday and Thursdays at 3 p.m. California time. Now, having said that, we not only do that, but we have a whole team of writers at ChangingWorldviews.com, our sister site, WomanTalk.us, and these are women that are writing, they're credible, they have, um, you know, not only insight and understanding, but experiential knowledge of whatever issues they may be addressing, be it, uh, you know, the Middle East or globalism or spirituality, such as Carol Matriciana, who uh, is a world-renowned expert on cults, and so she's talking about things such as Chrislam is uh, arising here in America. I don't know how many of your listeners may know about that, but I don't want to get off the track here just to say that our whole purpose is not to, well, shall I say it, let me put it this way, is to not just talk about the issues but talk about the worldviews behind the issues because I do not believe that issues exist in a vacuum. There's a worldview behind them, and that's why we constantly try to connect the dots with history as well as, you know, who are backing uh, the particular issues and what their worldviews come from, be it socialism or communism, Marxism, such as Saul Alinsky and so forth and so on, so that people can understand, you know, can can understand beyond the rhetoric that comes through the mainstream media or the promoters of whatever the issue may be. And so that's kind of the heart of what we do, and uh, we love it. And it's uh, it's fun for us to be out here uh, stationed in San Francisco because uh, we people either love us or hate us <laughs> because well. of our conservative <laughs> values. Well, trust me, uh, Annie shares that people, uh, they either love her or they extremely, extremely hate her. She's uh, the founder of the uh, Buford County, South Carolina Tea Party, one of the co-founders. And also, um, I was going to say, for those, just go check out her website. Uh, with all due respect, between you, Sharon, Deborah, and Miss Russo, oh, man, let me tell you, 
You're looking at three Miss Americas. They could work for me uh, selling my Playboy energy drink anytime they want. Because they, <laughs> you guys are all beautiful. Man. Well, thank and you. And I, I invited Miss Russo to come. Uh, I, I really like, uh, I really like, she's. <laughs> yeah, uh, she's none a of you girls house. are shy, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you, you got to like, and that's, you know, that's the reason we do Blog Talk Radio, is because there's many other, there's many categories in Blog Talk. If you don't like uh, Annie and I on Southern Sense, well, you know, uh, listen to another station or, or go to the cooking channel. So I'll turn that over to <laughs> Annie and let Annie tell you a little bit about our show, Southern Sense, and about herself as far as down in South Carolina. Um, and I'm going to unmute Jermaine Thompson, who is my, who is, uh, man, I'm like everybody's co-host. Jermaine is a conservative primetime host. Jermaine, you're unmuted. Go ahead, Annie. Um we started the uh, Southern Sense as kind of a lark. Originally, it was going to be a, a music station and so forth, uh, but it kind of morphed into doing the talk, and eventually my original co-host, who's my husband, got pushed out, <laughs> and after a couple of little tries, Cool Mike came on, and we're just blossoming, and uh, we go across the gamut on all subjects, basically, uh, Sharon, doing the same thing you do, doing extensive research, finding out uh, what is going on, what is causing it, what's the background of it, and, you know, what's the purpose of it. And a lot of times you're absolutely correct. I do tie it into a world uh, global agenda, and it's it's things that we have to get the public out there and make them aware of so that we can work to counter them, prevent them uh, from occurring in the future. Uh, I've only been on the air a little more than a year. This August will be my second year doing this. So I'm I'm feeling my way along, but we are growing and becoming one. I think one of the fastest growing shows here on BTR. I'm proud to say, and even though it's just me myself and I, along with Cool Mike, uh, I think we're doing a fantastic job, and hope people enjoy it and start listening in uh, all the more. Um, my background is quite varied. I've done everything from waitressing, cocktail bar, uh, te- uh, bartending. Uh, I've owned my own business, uh, traveled the globe. Uh, by the time I was 20, because I owned my own travel agency, and I walked away from the corporate world. I was climbing the corporate ladder in uh, American Express, uh, just in a town in Boston, a town outside of Boston, I should say. And I walked away to become a New York City police officer because I got tired of the corporate world bullshit. Uh, Pardon my language, but uh, I retired from NYPD, and I've been doing this now for the last, now almost two years. Wow. And wow. Mike, you told me you were going to have the police on here. Uh, Jermaine, <laughs> I knew you wouldn't show up. I left my up. handcuffs in the bedroom. Hey, you know, we're not going to start racism here, but I, you know, I had to have Jermaine. Don't worry about it. She she don't racial post profile, so you are perfectly fine. Well, I'm going to play a tape, and then we're going to all comment. And Andrea is doing her show. She's going to call in after her show. But uh, everybody needs to sit down because you're not going to believe when you hear. Uh, this is a debate. Uh, we're going to kind of start, and, and I don't like going way down memory lane, but we're going to do a debate between D.W. and Al Gore. Um, then we'll come back and comment on this. You're not going to believe. Yeah, I think we will, but just give a listen and hear the words from our former president. Should the people of the world look at the United States, uh, Governor, and say, should they fear us? Should they welcome our involvement? Should they see us as a friend, everybody in the world? How do you, how would you project us around the world as president? Yeah, I'm not so sure the role of the United States is to go around the world and say this is the way it's got to be. 
So I'm not exactly sure where the vice president is coming from, but I think one way for us to end up being uh, viewed as the ugly American is for us to go around the world saying, we do it this way, so should you. I, I just don't think it's the role of the United States to walk into a country and say, we do it this way, so should you. It really depends upon how the, our nation conducts itself in foreign policy. If we're an arrogant nation, they'll, they'll resent us. If we're a humble nation but strong, they'll welcome us. And uh, our nation is, uh, stands, uh, stands alone right now in the world in terms of power. And that's why we've got, got to be humble. If we're an arrogant nation, they'll, they'll view us that way. But if we're a humble nation, they'll respect us. Maybe I misunderstand where you're coming from, Mr. Vice President, but I, I, I think the United States must be humble and must be uh, proud and confident of our values, but humble in how we treat nations that are figuring out how to chart their own course. Make a couple sure, of comments. absolutely, sure. Uh, Somalia started off as a humanitarian mission and then changed into a nation-building mission, and that's where the mission went wrong. The mission was changed, and as a result, our nation paid a price. And so I don't think our troops ought to be used for what's called nation-building. You mentioned Haiti. I, did. I wouldn't have sent troops to Haiti. I didn't think it was a mission worthwhile. It was a nation-building mission. I, I think what we need to do is convince people who live in the lands they live in to build the nations. Maybe I'm missing something here. I mean, we're going to have kind of a nation-building core from America. One of the problems we have in the military is we're in a lot of places around the world. And I mentioned one, and that's the Balkans. I'd very much like to get our troops out of there. If we don't stop extending our troops all around the world uh, in nation-building missions, then we're going to have a serious problem coming down the road, and I'm going to prevent that. I'm concerned that we're overdeployed around the world. I don't want to be the world's policeman. I want to be the world's peacemaker. Your question was deployment. The force must be strong enough so that the mission can be accomplished, and the exit strategy needs to be well-defined. No shit, Sherlock. A lot of people are sick and tired of the bitterness in Washington, D.C., and therefore they don't want any part of politics. They look at Washington and see people pointing fingers and casting blame and saying one thing and doing another. It needs somebody in office who will tell the truth. That's the best way to get people back in the system. Wow. I don't even know who to go to first, but of course it will be ladies first. And since we have Sharon on, we'll go with Sharon, work our way down. Uh, recognize that voice, Sharon? <laughs> Yes, I do. That's uh, President George W. Bush. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll tell you, <laughs> I used to think he was one of the worst double talkers, but then President Obama came along. How did we get cursed? Well, we know how we got cursed. We get complacent. But it is unbelievable how, uh, oh, my God. <laughs> um, I'll put it to you this way. Um, why don't you give us your opinion on what you just heard? Well, obviously that was primarily, most of it was before he was president. And, of course, uh, it's one thing to have a philosophy and an ideology and a perspective of how things should be. And then to be finding yourself in the midst of having to make decisions such as what happened after 9-11. So, you know, I don't know what's inside of his head. I certainly don't know what's inside of his heart Obviously, he, prior to 9-11 or prior to being elected, he was against nation-building. And then, of course, afterwards, we know that that's exactly what was being done in Iraq. 
I don't think we can say that's what's being done in Afghanistan um, in, you know, in any successful way at all. And so I guess it could be considered a huge flip-flop. Um, but I, I want to just say that, you know, it's always easy for any of us to make opinions about things when we are not faced with those same kinds of decisions. Now, I know that there are a lot of folks that do that believe we should have never gone into Iraq, and there's a lot of folks that want us to come home from Afghanistan, including myself now, because things are going so crazy over there, and it's just not working. And there are so many directions that we could go on on this particular subject. However, I think that part of why President George W. Bush did what he did with Iraq was because he was trying to finish the job of his father. And I think that was uh, part of his uh, motive for going in and taking out Saddam Hussein, who I do believe was a tyrant and he was dangerous. And we know, especially in regards to Jews, he was paying suicide bombers to kill Jews in Israel. And, you know, so he's not a good guy. But in regards to uh, that uh, being necessary to what happened on 9-11, you know, I'm not one of those people that are in complete agreement with that. Yeah, and don't worry about giving your opinion today. Uh, it, it's just, our shows, uh, I know it's probably your first time on our shows. They're, say it like it is and don't worry about offending anybody because we'll never go one show without, opinion everybody, uh, without offending everyone at least once. Annie, my wonderful host with Southern Sense. Um, I, I believe I, I agree with a lot of what Sharon has said. Um I had no qualms about him going into um, Iraq at all. It had to be done. Uh, no one talks about, and this was reported in MSNBC, uh, about the 200 tons of nuclear material that was taken out of Iraq after the invasion over a two-year period, quietly transported and sold to Canada. And this was stuff that could be easily converted into weapon grade. You know, he was working on the programs. He had different air. Uh, mobile labs that got snuck over the Syrian border, but no one wants to talk about that. Instead, they'll blame him for lying about the uh, WMDs. Uh, Saddam Hussein was not a good person. He had to go. Um, as to whether or not we allowed our troops to fulfill the job that we asked him to do, this is where Congress and everyone else let the troops down. They didn't give him the stuff. Uh, they pulled him out because the polls saying that they were losing public opinion and rather letting the troops say, no, 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 we need this to finish the job you gave us. Let us finish it. Then we can pull out. Don't set a timetable. We've done everything that is completely wrong. And in that sense, I feel that we have failed in the job we set out to do and we have failed our troops. We have not given them the confidence they needed to do it, that we have not supported the moral um, the moral compass, we have just failed them. And in that sense, if we're not going to support their job, then please bring them home. You know, give them the tools they need to complete the job we ask them to do. One of the yes, one of the I, challenges there um, is we didn't have a defined mission going into Iraq. We wanted to get rid of Saddam, but once we got there, 
there was just absolute chaos and that's that's one of the things that happens obviously when you don't have when you when you have politicians trying to play generals you know generals and admirals they know these people know their business and when you have a congresswoman um and I was going to uh make a comment uh uh to you Sharon earlier that Lynn Woosley she rates right up there in my head with Maxine Waters and Pelosi and all. I, I, yeah. God, I don't I don't know how the suicide rate on the West Coast isn't like 50% having these people as your elected officials. Because I'll tell you, if I had uh, Barbara Boxer and Diane, I would hang myself. I mean, anyway, let's pass it to Jermaine and let him make a comment, and then we'll get back into the uh, political subject. Jermaine, well, you want to comment? I agree with uh, Sharon uh, somewhat that hindsight's always twenty twenty and you know, a candidate is much different. You know, he can say anything on the campaign trail, but once you uh, become privy to some of the information that presidents are privy to, you have to make decisions based on facts and not, uh, you know, not opinion. So I agree with Sharon. All right. Jermaine, well, tell us a little bit about conservative primetime, although some of us know about it already. Well, it's not as formal as uh, Sharon's show or even Annie's. Uh, it's more of a roundtable format uh, where, like Tesla says, you never know what you're going to get. Some nights you may get your standard conservative talk. Tonight, like last night, you may get a brawl. So <laughs> you just never know. Last last night's topic was, uh, I always like it at the beginning when they say, let's try to keep it calm, everybody. And, of course, the subject was about um, what's his name, the kid from Florida, Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin, yeah. Oh man, Jermaine, you should know, but you should know better. But anyway, all right. With that, with that, with that being said and done, um, we played this before, but I don't know if Sharon has heard this. Let's. Uh, uh, you know, you know, Mike. If, if Mike, would you mind if I just say one more final thing on oh. that last subject before you segue? Jump in, just. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, part of what we do here at Changing Worldviews, one of our projects is Operation Heartlift, where we are, you know, we send care packages and all of that to our troops at Christmas time, and uh, we have something called Liberty Love in the summertime, and we just had a huge event last September for the 10th anniversary of 9-11 where we uh, honored our troops that are back home, and we have a lot of connections, and, you know, and I, I interview a lot of our troops that have been in Afghanistan Iraq officers and so forth on my show and I just wanted to add to the conversation that I am so proud of our men and women who you know may not agree with what the current commander-in-chief for instance or maybe even uh, George W. Bush although I heard very little of that but that they are true patriots in their hearts of wanting to serve their country which is us really i mean we are our country and they're serving us to protect us and having said that i wanted to also say that um there there seems to be more discontent more uh suicides more um concern from troops under the current administration than i ever heard under george w bush so i'm going to just let that rest there and, you know, let it just speak for itself in terms of what I have heard from troops. And, uh, you know, certainly some of those have, you know, been wounded 
and have been um you know lost arms and legs and so forth so it's uh unfortunate that that happens but i just wanted to you know get it out there that our troops are doing what they're doing the majority of them to protect us and doing what they are commanded to do by their commander in chief whether they agree with it or not and they're not serving the president they're serving us oh very well put and uh i i can i concur um and i don't think there's any question um there's a lot more troops under discontent because barack obama is truly a we'll we'll get more into that later but uh just recently, um, I, I, I tend to think there have been the, the suicide rate not only is astronomical among many of these troops, but we've seen an awful lot of uh, our troops cracking up, being on fourth and fifth tours. And uh, this is all what happens when we let politicians um, get involved and w- when we're not involved. And we don't tell them where to mind their own business from. But... Speaking of politicians, um, <laughs> a few of us have heard this before, but I love listening to it, and I don't know if you ever heard this, Sharon, but I had to play this for you. Here is Congressman Jesse Jackson, Jr. He wants to change the Constitution. Mr. Speaker, I believe that the answer to long-term unemployment is actually in the Constitution of the United States. Well, let me say that a little differently. It's not in the Constitution of the United States. It should be in the Constitution of the United States, and one of these days we're going to get there. We need to add to the Constitution the right to a family to have a decent home. What would that do for home construction in this nation? What would that do for millions of unemployed people? He says we need to add to the Constitution the right to medical care. How many doctors would such a right create? He says we need to add to the Constitution of the United States the right to a decent education for every American. How many schools would such a right build from Maine to California? How many people would be put to work building roofs and designing classrooms and providing every student with an iPod and a laptop? How many ghettos and barrios will actually be touched by such an amendment? In fact, very little that we pass in the Congress of the United States even touches the long-term unemployed. Only thing that touches them that this Congress has access to that can actually change their station in life is the Constitution of the United States. Mr. Speaker, there's an even greater America that's in front of us. It's the America that adds to our founding document these basic rights. PBN, for news that up. Wow. (laughs) Wow is right. Uh, Sharon? (laughs) Well, obviously, I do not agree with that at all. But, you know, it's not surprising that we're hearing this kind of thing. This is, uh, you know, the kind of rhetoric that we hear from, well, we heard from candidate Barack Obama even before uh, he was running for president when he was talking about the fact that our Constitution is, uh, well, it fails to do so many things, such as uh, redistributive wealth was the term that he used. But, you know, one of his czars also was very much in favor of, uh, uh, and and still is, wants to see um, a new uh, Bill of Rights. And I don't know how many folks know that uh, that is going on. I'm talking about Sunstein, Cass Sunstein. And, you know, so these kinds of themes happen all the time. 
And uh, there are those that believe that the Constitution is fluid because, you know, it doesn't apply today. And and we could go on and on about this. Probably your listeners are, are uh, very well aware of this issue. But the point I think is so important is that the kind of emails I'm getting from the younger generation asking me things like, well, the Constitution, even my own dentist, a young guy, well, you know, the Constitution is not as uh, up-to-date. It doesn't really apply to today's uh, issues like it did. We need to uh, improve upon it. Or even things like, well, Sharon, what is wrong with socialism? I mean, we've got a whole generation following us that have a whole different worldview about the Constitution, about the Founding Fathers, about American exceptionalism, about capitalism, that I'm telling you if we don't reach them and and do it effectively so that their eyes are open and we can counter what's going on in our universities, as I said at the opening of the show, we are going to pass in the baton and they're going to look at it and say, what is this? No doubt. <laughs> Annie? It, gosh, all I can say is, you know, I want my Obama money. I want some of his stash. <laughs> I want him to pay my mortgage. He's supposed to be paying my mortgage. Yeah. Well, Jeffy Jackson forgot the cell phone. He's doing the laptop, the house, uh, the you know, and the iPod. He forgot the oh, cell phone. I'm already getting my cell phone. I get a free cell phone when I apply for welfare. Don't you know that? I'm already getting that. What no, I want I now is the computers they're promising us. I haven't gotten my computer yet. I'd like one of them houses right around where Sharon lives. They're around the bay, the ocean, three stories. I'll be entertaining all the time. You guys can come play on my free laptop there on my my iPod. You can win yeah. a you can win the lotto, win a million dollars, and still stay on welfare and food stamps and unemployment. Yeah, don't you know that? That that's their right. Yeah, people confuse rights um, with your liberties with freedoms. They confuse those two things. Now that's a minor point compared to the fact that they don't even know what is a right or liberty and what is personal responsibility. And this is what is sorely lacking. The hand is out, not for a hand up, but just give me. I now will stay home, collect my welfare and unemployment, and get Medicaid, and I don't have to do anything. I just sit in front of the TV with my soap operas and my malt liquor, you know, or my MD4040. Even the cigarettes, you know, well, my food stamps are going to pay for it because the grocery stores are not even paying attention anymore. You know, they don't even give you food stamps anymore. They give you an ATM card that you can use like cash. Yep. It's gone. Oh, the bridge it's gone amok. It has gone completely amok, and it's time we start cutting a lot of these programs. It sounds cruel, but it's not. It's people are abusing the programs, and they think it's a right. No, you do not have a right to my money. You want Jermaine? money, you earn it. <laughs> well, you know, I used to think that Barack Obama was America's top-rated idiot, hands down, but. It's obvious that Jesse Jackson Jr. is running a close second. So, <laughs> yeah, the Kentucky Kentucky Derby. I want to go back to something you said, Sharon. Who's the czar who wants the uh, new Bill of Rights? I had not heard about this. Um, yeah, Cass okay. Sunstein. Cass really? Sunstein. Mm-hmm. 
Sharon, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't that go back to Eleanor Roosevelt? And she worked with uh, a team from the United Nations to create a Bill of Rights that they've been continuing to change and uh, morph into this huge monstrosity? Right. Well, actually, uh, it was her husband. So, I mean, she worked on that, but he actually uh, wanted to have that done. It never actually came into fruition, and Cass Sunstein is wanting to bring that back up. Um yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. At least not now. I mean, if we if we can be successful in turning this nation back, you know, we're not going to see uh, you know go down those uh, that road at all. But yeah, we've done several shows. I did a whole series on all the czars, and you know, if I can unashamedly give that plug, changingworldviews.com. You click on the mic at the top of the page, and you can go to our broadcast archives. We've got about two years worth of shows there that are free to listeners, but. Uh, you know, I, I just think that you're talking about some of the rid- ridiculous, and you mentioned Nancy Pelosi earlier, uh, Mike. Now, you know, I always apologize to listeners, especially when we're, I'm on shows like this, because we did give you Nancy Pelosi out here in the San Francisco Bay Area. We did give you Barbara Boxer. We gave you Diane Feinstein. And, you know, these ladies, they started, at least Feinstein and Boxer, started on the local level. I mean, they were on the Board of Supervisors and worked their way up and i always am trying to encourage people to run for office on the local level because that's what the liberals do they get in whether it's you know the environmentalists or whatever they get in on that local level even dog catcher and they work their ways up and they get that name recognition that's how lynn woolsey was in there for years and she just retired so there's a big battle going on for her race that was the person my husband ran against but nancy pelosi said last week, I believe it was last Thursday, that Obamacare facilitates the type of, quote, liberation that the founders had in mind because it allows you, get this, Annie, to quit your job and become a photographer, a writer, a musician, or whatever. (laughs) No, I I caught that. Oh, (laughs) man, I caught that. Yeah, yeah. So that's that mentality. That's that worldview. And what is that worldview? That worldview is a Marxist worldview. I mean, these people belong to the Democrat Socialists of America. And, you know, we're trying to educate, as I said earlier, the younger generation about what socialism and Marxism is so that they can recognize it because they're being taught it in the classroom, on the university level, on the college level, but it's not being called that. And so they think that that is what America is about, right, because they're it's being presented as this is the way it should be when, in fact, it's not. And I always say, somebody please, please, please show me a country where socialism, Marxism, communism has worked, and then maybe I will listen to what else you have to say on the subject. It hasn't worked anywhere. It fails everywhere it's tried. Why would we want to embrace it unless there's another agenda behind it? Now, Sharon, you mentioned something that I I, I find fascinating because I've said this before. The, the first thing they want to do is co-opt the intelligentsia and the artsies, you know, the artsy fartsies. You know, they if you're an artist, you feel you are privileged. If you are one of the intelligentsia, you're smarter than anyone else, and you have to tell everyone else what to yeah. do. You know, right. so because you do that, we have to support you. So what they do is they co-opt them, and they corrupt them. 
which is what they have done to Hollywood and they have done to all these high gluten BS artists. And if you notice Occupy Wall Street, you start talking to any of these occupiers, what do you do? Oh, I'm a sculptor. Oh, I'm an actor. Not one of them is saying, oh, I paint houses for a living. None of them are saying that. They're all these artists. They're all these philosophers. They're these writers. They're the art class. And they have co-opted them. They have allowed them to carry the message forward for them. And once they turn around and put us in chains, the next ones they're not aware of, the next one they will put in chains are the very people they use to send the message. It's 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 happened age after age, you know, time after time. And this is also one of the things that Ayn Rand writes about in Atlas Shrugged. Right, exactly. Yeah, and it is the elitist mentality. I mean, no more, nowhere can we see that better than in a communist structure. It is those who are the elitists who know what is best for us, and we will tell you how to run your life. And but that was also seen in slavery. I mean, my good friend Mason Weaver, who wrote the book "It's Okay to Leave the Plantation," it's the whole idea when we had when you know the black spot on America of slavery. It was like, you know, you work for us and we'll take care of you. Well, today it's you vote for us and we'll take care of you. It, it It is an elitist mentality that we know better than you do, and so we will take care of you. And, by the way, we want to tell you what kind of light bulbs you should use, and we want to tell you what kind of cars you should drive, and we want to tell you what kind of food should our children be fed in class at school so much so that, Mom, your turkey sandwich or whatever isn't good enough, so we're going to take that away from your child and give you what's on the, um, you know, the the cafeteria line. Um, That is an elitist mentality, and I think that uh, I agree with George Bush when he said, you know, you want to be humble. An elitist person is not a humble person. They are arrogant. They believe they know better. They look down on those that disagree with them, and they want power because, you know, power is influence, right? And influence can bring about the change you want to see. However, I want to say that I still believe in the American people, that the majority of the American people are not of that mentality, and that they, if we can coalesce together and get it and get more people educated, that's why the Tea Party movement was so phenomenal, and I hope that it will continue to be strong, you know, then then we as a nation here in America will not fall subject to uh, the elitists that do indeed want to rule us, and some of them are in this Obama administration, including in the White House itself, I believe. Uh, let me correct you on that. Some? <laughs> I think there are more than, more, than, more than some. And, Sharon, always feel free to uh, pimp out and advertise your uh, – what I said pimp out, but feel free to advertise all of your uh, your shows and your, your website. This is what this is all about. We never hesitate okay. to uh, post links, and we're always uh, uh, helping to promote any kind of shows which, whatsoever that are kind of our, our homegrown shows. Uh, why don't everyone take a breath of fresh air? I'm going to play a breath of fresh air, something uh, real quick. Grab a pop or something real quick. We'll be back in about three or four minutes, and I want to play. This is, I just heard this, um, I've had it for a while, but I heard it today. Um, I played it for the first time, and I didn't play it for the first time. I've played it for the first time in a while, and I thought, you know what? 
this I just gotta play. Here's President Ronald Reagan. Well, I think it's time we ask ourselves if we still know the freedoms that were intended for us by the founding fathers. Not too long ago. government asks that we concentrate our hopes and dreams on one man, that we trust him to do what's best for us. For my view of government places trust not in one person or one party, but in those values that transcend persons and parties. citizens are abused or attacked anywhere in the world on the direct orders of a hostile regime, we will respond. Terrorism is the preferred weapon of weak and evil men. And as Edmund Burke reminded us, in order for evil to succeed, it's only necessary that good men do nothing. I'll tell you where I stand. I do not favor a peacetime draft or registration, but... benefit levels that will attract and keep highly motivated men and women in our volunteer forces. I think we're foretelling our senior citizens that no one in this country should be denied medical care because of a lack of funds. But I think we're against forcing all citizens, regardless of need, into a compulsory government program. We're for a provision that destitution should not follow unemployment by reason of old age. And to that end, we've accepted Social Security as a step toward meeting the problem. But we're against those entrusted with this program when they practice deception regarding its fiscal shortcomings. When they charge that any criticism of the program means that we want to end payments to those people who depend on them for a livelihood. They've called it insurance. is not the sole answer to our energy needs. America must get to work producing more energy. Large amounts of oil and natural gas lay beneath our land and off our shores untouched because the present administration seems to believe the American people would rather see more regulation, more taxes, and more controls than more energy. Ours will be, we have to move ahead. But we're not going to leave anyone behind. All righty. Well, welcome back to conservative uh, prime t- conservative prime time. Let's see Robert Jones' conservative report. I am Cool Mike in for Doctor Jones. Doctor Jones will be back. Um, hmm. Uh, I think on the eleventh. But anyway, either way, Doctor Jones will be back when Doctor Jones will be back. But until then, joining me tonight. We got the wild, wild women of BTR, Sharon Hughes, Annie Ubelis, and of course, Jermaine Thompson from Conservative Primetime is joining me. We're going to play a quick little tape. Um, 
and then come back and comment on it as we enter the second second the second half of this segment. I'm really excited to have uh, Sharon on here. She adds a West Coast view for all of us, and our show, Sharon, um, Jermaine and I's show is on at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is 8.30 Pacific Time, so if you will feel free to spread the word, feel free to spread the word. But don't use any violence, because you know what? We don't believe in violence. We don't believe in guns. We don't even believe in the Second Amendment. And you know what? I got the president on my side. Give a listen to this story. <laughs> what a way to kick off the second half of this segment. A renewed effort tonight that could curtail our Second Amendment rights to uh, keep and bear arms if uh, President Obama has his way. He wants the Senate to ratify a little-known treaty that would create a national registry for guns. Under that treaty, other nations would be able to identify gun owners in the United States. Bill Tucker has our report. President Obama went to Mexico and brought back a 12-year-old treaty. I'm urging the Senate in the United States to ratify an inter-American treaty known as CIFTA to curb small arms trafficking that is a source of so many of the weapons used in this drug war. The treaty signed by President Clinton in 1997 was never ratified by the Senate. It calls for the institution of a regime of gun control never before seen in the United States, creating a gun registration system that would be open to international sharing. Offenders would be prosecuted under treaty law, and they would be eligible for extradition. Proponents like Senator Dick Lugar are urging passage, saying, quote, we should consider ratifying during this Congress the Inter-American Convention Against Illicit Manufacturing of and Trafficking in Firearms, Ammunitions, Explosives, and Related Materials. Gun rights activists are incensed. It reflects a deep distrust that the government of the United States has had toward the people that somehow we need to be regulated because of other people's inability to have a peaceful and orderly society? Which cuts to the deep distrust that some gun owners have for government in general and specifically for this administration. President Obama, as a senator, consistently supported gun control legislation. His attorney general, Eric Holder, is also in favor of gun control. But one strong supporter of the Second Amendment in the Senate is determined to see the president does not get his wish. The president said it is a very high priority for him to get this treaty that takes away our Second Amendment rights ratified by the Senate. It is a very high priority for me to make sure that this treaty never gets ratified by the United States Senate. And we will find the votes to defeat it. Gun control is an issue that the Democratic congressional leadership has not been eager to embrace just yet, but that is what has gun rights groups concerned about this treaty. It isn't being presented as gun control. Instead, it's being presented as an international treaty that has been ratified by 29 other countries, so therefore it must be right that we ratify it as well. Well, I don't know who, what do you mean it must be right? Because 29 other countries well, don't have a Second it, Amendment or a Constitution. Correct, and that seems to be President Obama's well, logic. You know, we're, we're, uh, we're fools if we don't pay attention to what is being done before our uh, very eyes, and that's what is uh, taking place. And no one can blame President Obama. We have only ourselves to blame because he's made it very clear, as has his uh, Attorney General, the chief law enforcement officer in the country. They just want to do a few things uh, with gun laws, like take them away uh, in large measure. Bill Tucker, thank you very much. Now, I'm also going to play about a minute on another piece before I jump back in. 
Listen to this. Here's the opinion of uh, some of our good friends in the U.S. The fewer guns we have in the world, the better it is for mankind. They are as determined as ever. Mr. Chairman, small arms and light weapons are truly weapons of mass destruction. The United Nations conspiring with the majority of its members to do what they've already done to their own citizens. Deny you your firearm freedom. In New York, right here in our own shores, we've got a Trojan horse. They want to set U.S. firearms policy. They want to take the decision away from the U.S. electorate and undermine our Constitution. That's really their ultimate agenda, to bring the United States down from the pinnacle of freedom to simply being another one of these socialist states where the government controls everything. And just who are these gun grabbers? Countries like Japan. We strictly punish and control the possession and the use of small arms by civilians. Britain and Australia. Firearm owners in Australia must also demonstrate a genuine reason for ownership. The Netherlands. My firm conviction that the illicit trade cannot be tackled without involving the legal arms trade. And Canada, led by its former Minister of Justice, Alan Ross. Registration is the cornerstone of the entire strategy. Alan Rock is now Canada's voice at the United Nations. His anti-gun agenda is now front and center at the world stage. That's scary. Scary because the United Nations continues to get away with what it does best. It's a stealth operation. Secretly scheming behind closed doors to outlaw your guns. We must not wait until 2006 accountable to no one. People don't get elected to the UN. And that's the really scary thing. How the hell do you get rid of a UN bureaucrat? These are the, the biggest human rights violators in the world and they're trying to tell uh, people in the United States that we shouldn't have certain civil liberties. But the UN is not pushing its agenda alone. There's a propaganda machine working every day targeting the NRA and gun ownership as evil. It's called IANSA, the International Action Network on Small Arms. This is not about military small arms. This is not about rocket launchers. What they're really after is my um, Winchester hunting rifle. Just log on to IANSA's website, and you'll see it's made up of more than 500 anti-gun NGOs. Welcome back. I want uh, that audio Karen. clip for my show. <laughs> What's that? I want my I want that audio clip for my show. Well, we're gonna put it. Uh, I I can uh, email it to you. Well, well, well. You know, it starts. Uh, we started the break with President Reagan, which was a breath of fresh air. Then we hear these some of these liberals. Honest to God, I I honestly think that God has put them on there. This they're my penance because I I cannot imagine people are this freaking stupid. Go ahead, Sharon. Well, all I can say is remember Hitler. And you mentioned in the first part of the show when I interviewed Edwin Black, who's nine-time Pulitzer Prize nominee, he's written scores of books. He does amazing research on all the kinds of issues that he addresses but uh, that almost always revolve around the kinds of things that you're talking about today. But his book, IBM and the Holocaust, he was talking uh, uh, not only about the complicity with IBM, with Hitler, 
And that's a whole other subject if you want to talk about because that is so, oh, unbelievable. But he very clearly points out with documentation exactly how guns were taken away from the Jews, and not just the Jews, but, you know, it was more than Jews that were killed during that time under Hitler. Uh, so many people say, well, why did they just, you know, why didn't they fight back? Well, they didn't fight back because they took their guns first. That's all I want to say. Well, you could say more. Feel free. Uh, Annie, go ahead. Not from my cold, dead hand. Thank you, Charleston Heston. Proud member of the NRA. And if anyone tries to come after them, they're going to have a fight with me. Uh, and uh, you're going to find a lot of people here in South Carolina follow uh, my attitude. Um, it's going to be their hardest fight they have with removing guns from us. But the problem being is that those of us that own guns legally happen to be law-abiding citizens. And they've already done this. They've changed the ammunition. When you go hunting, uh, certain weapons can no longer have lead in the uh, ammunition. So they've altered the ammo. Uh, there's Catherine Sibyllis that has feels that because bullets are a health hazard, they should have an expiration date and self-destruct after 30 days. Uh, <laughs> these are some of the crazy things they're coming up with. And if you watched Obozo, I mean, sorry, Obama yesterday with Calderon and uh, the British Prime Minister, uh, what's uh, Cameron is his name? I forget. Uh, pardon me, a little brain fart here. Uh, when they were doing their press conference yesterday, uh, they were both, Obama and uh, Calderon were talking about guns and, and restricting them, and they both misquoted uh, facts, uh, definitely distorted everything, saying that where gun ownership was, more crime was. Well, excuse mm -hmm. me, statistics show the exact opposite. If you have legal gun ownership, crime drops. Mm -hmm. And Chicago and Washington, D.C. are two places that show that with recent uh, Supreme Court decisions that allowed people to uh, purchase weapons. In uh, Washington, D.C., I believe it dropped 60%, and in Chicago, 30%. But then again, you still have Rahm Emanuel and all the other cronies up there, which explains why Chicago didn't drop further. Well, in, yeah, uh, it, Annie, in, it, Daly's goodbye speech, uh, in Daly's goodbye speech, Annie, he commented how proud he is in the last year, how crime has gone down, and so has the murder rate. Well, of course, he fought the handgun ban, but once it was overturned, look what happened. And then he takes yeah. credit for it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And this UN speech that he resurrected after 12 years, which is Hillary Clinton's pet project, requires that you register your weapons internationally, which means that... Someone in Al-Qaeda may have access to that list and know, oh, hey, wait a minute, I've got a sleeper cell in this person's town, and we've got, oh, let's see, we've got maybe 2,000 gun owners, and they're registered with, what, an AK-47, a Tech 9 uh, this one has a 9mm, oh, these are all, oh, why don't we start burglarizing these homes? Because you now have an open list that anyone can get their hands on because you can't trust any other leader in any other country to keep it secure. You, know, you open up everything. Forget about being secure in your person and papers. That goes out the window the moment this treaty is ratified. 
And right. I am predicting that Obozo is going to do it by executive order because it will never get through the Senate. Wow. Annie, wow. can we tell you're passionate about the Second Amendment? Way to go. <laughs> that's a, that's Lock and loaded, go. baby. Lock and loaded. Yeah. Jermaine, how about you? Well, being the only black guy on the panel here, I don't feel comfortable talking about guns around a police officer. <laughs> yeah, I, it's true story. unbelievable. <laughs> true, all right, Jermaine, true story. Um, my first partner was a female. My second one happened to be a black female. And my third partner happened to be a male Hispanic. So I had three partners when I worked. <laughs> all minorities. So don't, Just don't, like don't. I'm... Well, what's the difference? Just like having us on BT on your BTR here show, uh, having us on BTR, as they should say. Now, um, <laughs> oh man, I love I love the comments of the the first guy, the one with the accent who says, "The uh, guns are the weapons of mass destruction." The Second Amendment was put in there to protect us against government. It was to protect us against robbers and burglars. But the main part was to form a militia to fight government. Well, basically to fight a lot of the things that we hope will not be coming, but we can see we're headed in the wrong direction. And yeah. uh, several politicians are commenting now, and mainly Tea Partiers, but that's the bottom line is that the Second Amendment is in there to protect its citizens against its government. Yeah. Period. Not well, I wonder pain. how many people. I wonder how many people understand that um, our soldiers, actually, a military commander at Fort Campbell in Kentucky, a couple of years ago, the news came out, demanded that his soldiers give him the registration numbers of any private guns that they owned, and then reveal where they are stored. So, you know, who who would thought that that would have happened? It's it's a pretty amazing thing that we're seeing take place. And that's why education is so important, because I do believe if the people know what's going on, not only will they be educated about it, but they will be aware. And if there's enough that are aware, we can fight these kinds of things. Although we did see health care, Obamacare, go through when the majority of Americans didn't want it. So you've, you've, got to, you've got to get people in office that are not going to just executive order everything or run it through. You know, it's huge, huge problems. But Well, we uh, also no. have to take responsibility. We we yes. ourselves have to hold, uh, we're going to play a clip, and uh, it, uh, as soon as Andrea joins us in about 10 or 15 more minutes, um, and I know Jermaine likes us on Thomas Paine. You know what? If our politicians are not doing what we say, we need to organize and get them out of office. Nothing, they fear nothing more than the wrath of their taxpayers' citizens. I mean, we need to make these people's life miserable. I want. I'm. If I have a good congressman, but I'll tell you uh, um, where I'm registered. But uh, where, where our where our where our nightclubs are, this idiot has been around here like since the he got elected shortly after Eisenhower or Kennedy. And I, I just recently, uh, this idiot made the he made this made the comment that it is it is un-American to not provide health care, and it is even more un-American not to want to support nationalized health care. And I thought, well, you know what? Maybe if you, as a congressperson, were under that plan, you might think differently. Go ahead, Sharon. Well, I just want to say one other thing while we were talking about uh, 
guns, you know, we can't we can't leave that piece of the puzzle out of Obama's civilian military as well that he called for that, you know, did not get any um, coverage at all in the mainstream media, no surprise, of course, but the Amer- majority of Americans don't know about it. But their training for the civilian military, which is, you know, very similar to what Hitler did, uh, will include social justice instruction, which is nothing more than a code word for communism or socialism, Marxism or whatever. And, um, you know, I think that what we see happening before us is this anti-gun movement, this pro-civilian movement, which is a civilian military. At the same time, you've got our military training, uh, you know, right here in America, on the streets of America, should there be any outbursts. And most of the troops, unless they're knowledgeable about the kinds of things we're talking about, they don't you know, it's promoted as something else. It's just in case that there's something that would come up that they would need to, um, you know, handle riots or whatever. But uh, I know this sounds very conspiratorial, and probably 20 years ago I would have just said, oh, yeah, right. But there's just too much evidence now to show that there is a movement right here in our country that follows the patterns of, somebody said earlier, I don't know who it was, of history. These kinds of things have gone on through every gener- you know, every uh, society, every culture. But, um, you know, we, we can't think that we can no longer have that mentality, oh, that would never happen here in America. We can't. Well- Sharon, you also uh, you hit on it, and this is where guns tie in with Obamacare. What people don't realize, there's two sections in Obamacare that directly affect guns. And one of them, they tried doing this where they had the doctors asking, pediatricians asking the kids, well, do your parents own guns? Yeah. And they had to put that in the medical record, the fact that the parents had weapons in the house. And yeah. the second thing was, is that they had the right to enter your home and determine whether or not your home is safe. Now, what do they deem as safe? If you have weapons in your home, they can now deem your home as not being safe and confiscate those weapons. They can go into your refrigerator and determine you don't have fat-free milk in there and determine that your house is not safe and you are not complying with Obamacare, the the invasion, the invasion that Obamacare has in your personal property and papers without a warrant is absolutely phenomenal. And Nancy Pelosi said, pass this bill so we know what's in it, and no one read the damn thing. Well, hell, you No, no, you don't understand. You have to pass it before you can know what's in it, Annie. Come on. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I, did I say it wrong? I apologize. Yeah. But, you know, I, I read, I read the, House of, the House's version, and I read the Senate version, and I wrote on my blog weeks before they even voted on it. So if I, as an ordinary civilian, can download this frigging thing, read it from one end to the other, and write several blogs about it, and I write about the unconstitutionality in it, citing section after section after section, and they can't? I mean, mean, they have staffs. They have these senators and representatives have staffs, and they could have broken it up into sections and say, all right, fine, you read this one, you read that one, and tell me what's in it. But no. Yeah. 
But you know what? You want- can I just throw in here that sometimes you can know what's in it, such as has been part of this uh, most current debate that involved where the Catholic Church really stood up and said, this is not right to mandate that we have to provide this kind of insurance, because it wasn't just about contraception. It was about the fact that the Obamacare mandate would also include abortion, which, of course, the Catholic Church position is against, but also... And it's kind of like one over the heads of so many people. Sterilization. When did we hear about sterilization Thank before? You. I mean, this was part of Margaret Sanger's agenda to get rid of the undesirables. And she called the Negroes weeds. And there were thousands upon thousands of Americans that were sterilized because they did not want them to propagate. And now, not only are they providing for this again in Obamacare, but uh, the latest, and probably your listeners have heard about this, that uh, colleges and universities that provide health care are going to have to provide sterilization for their students. And uh, even though it's Representative Zarkowski who uh, heads up the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare, care said that this wasn't about the government supporting sterilization because it's really a woman's health issue where and when in the world is sterilization ever a woman's health issue number one number two um you know why do we want to sterilize folks it ties in with those population control folks which ties in again with the elitist folks but Here's the kicker. You could now get an abortion under this. Uh, students can get it, and they can get sterilization without any copay, and it's for free. Why would the government? Tell me. Somebody tell me, please, why would the government want to provide that? Now, now they provide the sterilization for women, college-age women, uh, but what about the men? Are they going to uh, offer vasectomies to them too? Uh, sterilization. Yeah, I didn't say female only. Women too. Karen just said something Men about too. the civilian security force. What? What? What exactly is that for? Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, I mean, that, that's ahead, only Sharon. one of them, Sharon. But what about also the uh, the uh, corpse where they have it? The uh, oh, jeez. I'm, I'm thinking of the wording, and I just my brain went into a big fart. Um, it, it was that, but also training the doctors, the nurses, and so on and so forth, and controlling their salaries. Well, um, back to the civilian force, um, it was Senator Obama. He gave nearly a 17-minute speech where he was uh, talking about the need for this kind of thing, and he said, we cannot continue to rely on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set, we've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. He said afterwards, so this is not a new idea for him. This is something he said as president. Um, He plans to not just double the Peace Corps and so forth, but to come up with this civilian Military that will be just as strong, just as powerful, don't miss those words, and just as well-funded. Wow. That's basically to keep us under martial laws. <laughs> when you, when you yeah. first 15 minutes ago hinted, and we wonder why, Sharon, this has been a topic of ours on the East Coast as far as the BTR people forever. 
I mean, we have talked about this. Jermaine and I did a show titled The Fourth Reich uh, regarding yeah. how everything is falling in place throughout history, and it it blew up on downloads. We had like 600 of them. It was just insanity, and it was just mm-hmm. that's basically what is taking place. Look, you have to be a complete idiot to not see how everything is falling in place. And there's a, there's another piece I will send you with the clip on uh, that I sent you um uh, the one piece you requested. Um, okay. It's about an individual, and it's too long to play now, but it's about an individual who is at a rally in um, in the United States, and the guy's saying, it's the Catholic, it's the blacks, and this guy standing next to him is like, yeah, I agree with him. Then there's a yeah. guy who immigrated from Germany next to him, and he says, why? He says, let me tell you a story. And he goes on and explains the story about how um, exactly what uh, – Throughout history, we've elected these dictators. They didn't, some, I mean, Castro took over the way he did, but Hitler and many, many others, remember, they were elected. And don't forget, liberty dies with thunderous applause, as mm-hmm. as, as it always does. Alrighty, let's, uh, hang on, uh, Andrea's got about six more minutes on her show before she calls. I want to play another clip. <laughs> this is about, uh, I don't, I, I, I was unsure on whether or not uh, to play this, but you know what? We're going to. Here is our beautiful uh, minority speaker, Nancy Pelosi. This was, I think, in it, you, you, when you hear it, you'll understand when it was taking place. I think it took place in like 2004, 2006. I'm not sure, but this let's give a listen to the Prince Act. average of $3.07 per gallon set a record, exceeding last August's previous record. And I'm particularly concerned because the highest price, $3.49 per gallon, is what is being charged in my district in San Francisco. With Memorial Day travel and the start of summer driving, only a few weeks away, drivers are paying a heavy price for the Bush administration's failure to enact a comprehensive energy strategy. Years of Bush administration's policies that have favored big oil over the consumers have resulted in record dependence on foreign oil, leaving American families and businesses to pay even higher prices. This Congress, under the Democratic leadership, is working to make up for years of inaction, taking America in a new direction that helps bring down the cost of gas and and promotes energy independence. Energy independence is essential, essential to reducing the price at the pump. In the first 100 hours of the new Congress, The House passed legislation to roll back $14 billion in subsidies to big oil already uh, when big oil was already enjoying record profits and and our proposal reinvest the money at home in clean or alternative fuels, renewable energy, and energy efficiency. A number of House committees are taking action, holding hearings over the next few weeks to take a comprehensive look at how we can fight price gouging the development of clean alternative fuels, the impact of our dependence on foreign oil has on our economy, and how we can put new technologies to use to achieve greater energy efficiency. I've asked uh, Chairman Waxman of the Government Reform Committee to look into uh, this issue in terms of the oversight of that committee, Uh, Mr. Dingell of the uh, Energy and Commerce Committee uh, to uh, to move quickly and and mark up the Stupak bill on price gouging. We have our select committee on, alter- on ending global warming and energy independence moving forward with its 
its uh, recommendations. And we have uh, Mr. Conyers, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, uh, having hearings on antitrust hearings on the subject of big oil. We have elevated this issue again by creating a select committee and we'll make this 4th of July Energy Independence Day with a package that will do its following things. Provide economic incentives to develop and use clean alternative fuels. Help our nation's farmers fuel our energy independence. We will send our energy dollars to the Midwest and not to the Middle East. Encourage an energy innovation economy that will create new jobs and help small businesses and enhance technology-driven efficiency. We will lead our nation in a new direction toward energy independence that strengthens both our economic and our national security. That I'm pleased to yield to the distinguished yeah. chair of our oh, distinguished whip. Oh, jeez. I don't even know where to start, but since uh, she's on the West Coast, Sharon, uh, do you care to go first on that comment? The $3.49 <laughs> being uh, absolutely unacceptable? Well, that's about what it's costing us right now at the pump. And, uh, you know, if you've lived long enough, this wasn't the first time. Obviously, under George W. Bush wasn't the first time. I can remember a few years back standing in long lines, or not standing, parking in long lines to get gasoline. This kind of goes with the ebb and flow of those that control, um, you know, our our oil and but I know that isn't really what you wanted to get to. You wanted to get to, I would imagine, the hypocrisy. But, you know, are we really surprised by that? I mean, come on. This is nothing new. They're not going to say anything nice about, uh, you know, an administration that, that is going in a direction, whether it has to do with energy or anything else, uh, against their socialist worldviews. Uh, but, of course, Obama can do no wrong, I, I, I mean, because he sends thrills up their legs, and so they're in love with him. And so, you know, they make up excuses for why, uh, you know, he's facing the same things that, oh, that evil George W. Bush, you know, faced and was responsible for. I mean, it's like, let's stop this nonsense and yeah. let's get into reality. And and the and the fact is, first and, first and foremost, uh I'm probably the only person on Blog Talk who is an extreme conservative financially and a big union uh, uh, supporter of organized labor. But the bottom line is that right is right and wrong is wrong. doesn't matter. You've got to call a spade a spade. When the politician, regardless of party, and sometimes in today's world the only difference is the R or the D next to their name, it doesn't matter. You, you, how many times you have to criticize uh, – you know, your own children, or how many times do we have a relative who maybe abuses alcohol or drugs or, or whatever? You call right. it like it is. And the bottom right. line, too, I mentioned, this, I mentioned this today, big oil companies are not getting subsidized. They are taking advantage of a program that has been in place for years when they expand or whether they, uh, they divert into a different type of area. There are tax breaks from all levels of government. And that, yeah. is, that this is such a lie, but like, almost as if if we were subsidizing oil and gas, the prices would be cheaper. This is another one of these media, <laughs> another Trevon Martin out here. They give us a half-truth and people are pissed off. Can you believe the Republicans agree? I think to myself, yeah. and, I, and I explain this, um, there were these students out in Detroit, and they were upset over uh, their teachers. Some of the teachers weren't showing up. 
So one of the things I'm doing with my new uh, uh, Playboy energy drink is I'm putting it in the hands of the younger people. People who are in their mid-20s and older are kind of stuck in their way. So when you have a new cool product, you just give some away to these people. So I was talking to these people and I was ex- explaining to them uh, how they're just being misled. Well, we saw this on the news. It's got to be true. Right, uh, and, right. And, uh, it, you know, I saw it on C- – or it wasn't – the person said something. It was reported by um, uh, Al. They said Reverend Al reported it on MSNBC. He says that brother always tells the truth. I put my arm around <laughs> the guy and I said, <laughs> "I said, come here, son. You and I are yeah. going to have a little chat." So anyway, hang on a second. I I actually think Andrea has called in. Area code two three two one. Yep, that's me. Hello. Hi, hey, welcome, evening. Andrea. Sharon and Sharon uh, Hughes. Meet Andrea Shea King if you don't already know her. She is, uh, uh, what does not Andrea do? Anyway, um, <laughs> Andrea, why don't you just introduce yourself to uh, everybody and tell us a little bit about your show. And oh, okay. Thank you, Mike. As briefly you. as you can, tell us about uh, all the things that you ventured on in the past, uh, say, six oh, months. Gosh. And let me okay. tell you something, everyone. You definitely—I'm a big fan of Andrea's show. Um, I was a big fan of her friend uh, Ann Barnhart until last week. But anyway, Andrea's show is probably the most passionate. Oh. And <laughs> when you hear Andrea go crazy, it is she, she sounds. She puts. She almost sounds like the Lady Sarge. Let me tell you. Oh. Go ahead, Andrea. <laughs> wow, that's quite a compliment. That is quite a compliment. <laughs> well, it is. You know, you when when the hell? I mean. You are a you are you are quite the uh, I don't know how to put it but you go girl go ahead. Thank you very much, much appreciated. Okay, well uh, first of all I do the show every weeknight here on Blog Talk Radio. It's the ASK show, and uh, as Mike pointed out, and also I I write a blog. Um, I, it's called Radio Patriot. It's at WordPress. I do a weekly column for WorldNet Daily, and it's called uh, Surf and Safari. And it's on the diversions page. And basically what it is is I track Internet trends, what's happening on the Internet, what uh, the government is doing to try and control the Internet, um, and, and just, you know, just points of interest about the Internet. So it keeps me pretty busy, and uh, I enjoy it. I'm, I'm partly retired, really. I, I used to work at the uh, Kennedy Space Center and retired out when I was, well, I don't know. I don't even know how old I was when I retired out because I started my own business at the time. But, but this is what I'm doing now, and I really enjoy it, and I'm delighted to be on the program with you guys, Sharon and Southern Sense, and, of course, it's a delight to be with you. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Andrea, online. Yeah. Hi. Yeah, uh, Andrea, Andrea and I met uh, at the uh, Tampa uh, debates. Uh, no, actually, we met through Tea Party Express first. Uh, yeah. You were... Yeah, you were here when you came over here to uh, Beaufort, South Carolina. Um, Tea Party Express has been here twice, and we met once again at the uh, Tampa debates. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot to mention that too. That I'm also uh, vice co-chairman of the campaign to defeat Obama, which is a super PAC, and uh, which is <clears throat> kind of the, the sister organization to Tea Party Express. And I have done, um, let's see, I've done three national tours with the Tea Party Express. And also a tour of Wisconsin. We went up there last uh, last summer <clears throat> to help with the first recall uh, election, uh, to help uh, Governor Scott Walker and some of the senators there who were uh, 
being challenged by the unions and are still being challenged by the unions. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're staying active. I'm a political activist, as you might, as you might guess. Well, Andrew, Andrew, did I? Am I right or wrong? But I thought I I saw somewhere that you guys were organizing another national tour because I know the last one it was you hit here Buford County, the one that I organized uh, mm-hmm. in Buford County before going to Tampa for the debate. But I saw something that another one was being organized. Is there anything mm-hmm. going on with that? Uh, you know what? I I would probably be the last one to know about it. Let me tell you, this is so funny. Every time I've been invited to go on the tour, it's always been like the week before. And they'll call me and they'll say, do you have your backpack? <laughs> it's like, oh, oh my gosh, okay. Uh, I never know until the last minute. And, and and that's pretty much how it rolls. You know, they, they, they a lot of it depends on the funding that they get to underwrite the cost of putting those buses on the road. As you can well imagine, it's expensive. And we all stay in a hotel at night. We each have our own room. So, I mean, and by the end of the day, you really need it, trust me. Um, so a lot of it depends on it's variables. How much money are they bringing in through donations, that type of thing. So if they are doing another tour and I'm invited, I'm on. <laughs> well, I hope, well you I hope you pass through here, and I'll set it up for you again. Uh, you Thank know what, you. you ladies, what you all need, Sharon and Andrea and Annie, Jermaine, and I'll grab the area code 916. I'll grab you in a minute. You know what, you, you when you're tired, do you feel run down? Do you feel you need a little more boost? <laughs> well, Playboy Energy will be introduced to the United States market in approximately two weeks. Flavorful and delicious. It comes in two sugar-free and regular It is very low-cal, and let me tell you, ladies, it will give you a lift where you'll think you were partying in Woodstock because it is the best. I'm getting good at this sales talk. I'm really enjoying this thing. You should have seen it. But anyway, I'm uh, going to try to get you some samples. Let's go uh, to the phone real quick. We just lost area code 916. I'm going to play a clip real quick uh, because we're going to jump right into the dirt here, the TSA. I played this today on our show Another one of the intrusive parts of our government, um, whether they're touching kids or not, get a load of this. Uh, I feel so safe having the TSA protect us. Covering Florida now, over the weekend, a grandmother said she was hurt and humiliated during a pre-flight screening at New York's Kennedy Airport right before boarding a plane to Florida. Now, the Transportation Security Administration has apologized to the woman. Baron James has more on her story and whether she accepted that apology. My pressure was sky high. This 84-year-old grandmother, a snowbird from Long Island who has a place in Coconut Creek, is still mortified. They took my pants down and then they took my underwear down. She says she was strip-searched by TSA agents at JFK Airport this week before catching a flight to Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood International. It's never happened in the 10 years I'm flying down to Florida. I have a defibrillator, Mm -hmm. so I don't go through the machines. I ask them to pat me down Mm -hmm. or use the wand. Instead, a couple security women whisked Lenore Zimmerman away in her wheelchair. Then they took me into a private room and strip-searched me. But the TSA said no strip search was conducted and proper procedures were followed. Here's part of their response. While we regret that the passenger feels she had an unpleasant screening experience, TSA does not include strip searches as part of our security protocols, and one was not conducted in this case. Still, literally adding to Zimmerman's pain and suffering, 
she cut herself when she tried to lift this lightweight walker off her lap. I banged that up against my leg and I started to bleed. The TSA called a medic, but the process took so long that Zimmerman missed her 1 p.m. flight and had to wait more than two hours to catch the next one, she said. Don't I look like a terrorist? I'm going to be 85 years old and I weigh 103 pounds. Mm -hmm. And they strip searched me. That was Baron James reporting. The TSA says it has reached out to Zimmerman. All right. Well, we'll start with Sharon and we'll walk our way down. I'll tell you what, if that had been my mother or my grandmother, uh, me, Dwayne, my sons, all of my friends, everybody that's part of my team would be down there and we would be in their face and they would, you know, they would know not only how we feel about this, but we would take it to the next level. This is absolutely ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it just shows there's like a veil of darkness over the minds and hearts of many in our country that I believe don't love truth, that have bowed the knee to political correctness, and now they're serving that PC God, and they have no idea of how absolutely ridiculous they are. To do this to this woman is absolutely appalling, and I think that the President of the United States should call that woman and apologize to her just like well, he did huh uh, yeah you know i agree andrea yeah well i tell you if they started to pull down my pants <laughs> they'd have a they'd have a, a battle on their hands uh you know i i was while i was listening to this i was also looking up the latest news about the tsa and according to aviation news today they've announced details they're going to be expanding the tsa pre-check initiative to additional airports and airlines, as well as additional TSA pre-check lanes at existing locations. Uh, if you're flying like Alaska, United, U.S. Airways, they're going to begin offering these uh, pre-check screening benefits at select locations. Won't that be lovely? How <laughs> you can get pre-checked before you get checked. Yeah, oh, uh, my God. Pre-check. Uh, uh, Annie, go ahead. Uh, Annie can tell you about her uh, her wonderful experience with the TSA because she has several uh, titanium alloy limbs in her body. Oh, no, no, no. Well, Mike played this uh, on, on our show today, Southern Sense, that was goes on on Tuesdays and uh, Fridays at 2 o'clock on BTR. But we played this and we discussed it. And, yeah, a few years back, my father had turned 80, and I was he, they live in the Virgin Islands, flying down. I'm going through the airport, and I have these special cards in with my passport that says I have these titanium joint replacements. And I had just had knee replacement surgery, so I was in a wheelchair going through security. And they had me actually physically stand up and walk through the uh, uh, the metal detector. Meanwhile, I'm telling them, I really don't want to go to the metal detector because I just had these replacements and I have a heart condition and so on and so forth. I'd rather just have the pat down. But nope, they have me go through this thing. They gave me a hard time, 20 minutes worth of BS. Uh, and, you know, I'm saying... They're saying you're too young to have all of this. And I said, well, you know, you get line-of-duty injuries because you are young and doing your job. If you're older, you don't do these jobs and you don't get injured. And wow. I'm injured and had this done because I was young. And you know, wow. I'm trying to explain this to them. And, you know, you don't want to argue with them because you make it worse. And 
it's it's amazing. I still say there's nothing wrong with profiling. The Israelis are able to do it. No one complains about the manner in which they handle it. They start profiling you from the moment you make the reservation to the moment you board the plane. And even once you're on the plane, they're still looking at you. It doesn't matter who you are. They're going to look at you, but it's non-invasive. And you know what? How many times has a shoe bomber board, uh, boarded an El Al flight? Zero. How many times <laughs> has someone snuck another uh, bomb into the luggage on an El Al flight? Zero. They're able to do it successfully, and no one complains or files lawsuits. Why can't we do that? And why can't we take it out of the hands of government and let the individual airlines hire their own private security companies or form their own security companies to do this? Because who else will protect their assets and passengers and income than someone that has a vested interest in the company? Amen. Amen. You know, alrighty, ladies, sit down and give a listen to Thomas Paine. This clip's uh, it's about four to five minutes. Just give a listen. Oh boy, this is the way I wanted to close this show, um, and we still got time. I'm just going to say, is I wanted to play this because this will this will monopolize the rest of the time. Give a listen to this, and you know what? This is what we're all about. This is why we are on radio. This is why we have our own independent shows. This is why we are full of so much American energy. I found this video and I what loved it. What would have happened in 1789 or 1942 or 9-11 if a top government official stepped in front of the people and publicly proclaimed America was a nation of cowards? He would have been run out of the country on a rail, packaged in tar and feathered at least. But that's what happened in 2009. And you did nothing. Have you become a nation of cowards, America? In the greatest show of arrogance and disdain any Congress ever showed any citizenry, your dysfunctionally elite, self-interested, non-representing representatives passed the largest spending bill in history without reading it, and you did nothing. You want them to obey your constitutional mandate and secure your borders, and they ignore you. You ask them to enforce your immigration laws, and they ignore you. You say, stop the madness of handing $300 billion of a bankrupted treasury to illegal alien welfare, rewarding them for making a mockery of your laws, and they ignore you. And now an open defiance of the overwhelming will of the people are preparing more amnesty programs. You say, stop exporting my nation's vital industries to foreign shores, and they ignore you. You say no to using your money to bail out failed, corrupt, and greedy businesses, and they ignore you. You say implement the E-Verify system so American jobs go to American workers, and they ignore you. If your self-serving Congress were a business, they'd all be in jail now. The biggest traitors among you hold elective office. Only when they feel the almighty wrath of we the people marching in the streets from California to New York, shouting we're mad as hell and we want our country back, will they get the message they work for you. Wake up, America. While you were playing with the toys of your consumer wealth, you lost much more than your bloated economy of living beyond your means. You lost your representative democracy. Your servants have become your masters. Taxation without representation is tyranny. But still, you look to government to solve problems they created in the first place. You're sucking at the hind tit of a dead cow. Why isn't there a three million person We the People March on Washington? A nationwide taxpayers' revolt. Thousands of cars and trucks surrounding your nation's capital, 
bringing your failed government to a standstill. Democracy doesn't repress power. It unleashes it to we the people. Take it now. They dictated an economic salvation plan to you. Now it's time to stick it to them with a we the people stimulus package. Require all laws that apply to the rest of the country to equally apply to Congress. Start by first removing the elite privileges that place your non-representing representatives above you, not with you. Require all laws that apply to the rest of the country to equally apply to Congress. Repeal Congress's right to vote for their own raises. Balance the federal budget. Force your legislators to do what you now have to do. Live within your means. If you don't, you're committing national suicide. Make Congress pay into the Social Security system. They make laws for it. Now they might be interested in thinking twice before they allow 20 million illegal aliens to reap the benefits of a retirement program the legal citizens paid into all their lives. Long-term power corrupts. Limit Congress from serving more than two terms. That's all you give your president. Let them search for their own 401k plan instead of the gross unfairness of awarding them their full salary for the rest of their lives after only serving one term. Stop paying for lawmakers' insurance premiums. After all, they're only part-time employees. They might pass some laws on the insurance companies if they had to find one themselves. Throw out of office every congressman and woman who didn't bother to read the biggest spending bill in history before voting for it. With the money you save from all of the above, put it into increased salary and benefits for the men and women of the armed forces. They never fail you. Start no war unless you intend to win it. Make English the official language of America. You talk of united we stand, but do nothing to make it happen. Give every legal immigrant a chance to succeed. Not one cent of taxpayer money for illegal aliens. We are a nation of laws and do not reward lawbreakers. Abolish the Electoral College and put the election of the president back in the hands of we the people. Bring back universal service. Two years in the military or two years in community involvement. Ensure your future. Rekindle the spirit of America. Service, honor, and duty to country. Give your young people a chance to understand they are entitled to nothing they don't earn. Wake up, America. You've allowed yourselves to become little more than cowering spectators, watching the nation your grandparents built, the richest, most powerful, most self-sufficient republic in history, with the highest standard of living any nation ever achieved now in the middle of the greatest unprecedented decline in modern history. The world's only superpower can't defend its borders, balance its budget, win its wars, manufacture its own products, or protect its own currency. Your total government debt obligation in the next several years is approaching the gross domestic product of the entire world. You've diminished the future of your children, grandchildren, and ten more generations of Americans. On September 11, 2001, 300 million Americans put aside what divided them and rallied around what united them. You proudly flew your flags, wore T-shirts that said, these colors don't run. Then your leadership told you to do nothing. Let your professional army do the fighting. Perhaps you learned to do nothing too well. 233 years ago, the silent majority in Boston got fed up with taxation without representation and held a little tea party to prove the anger of we the people is on the march. It started the first American Revolution. Now it's time to start the second American Revolution. Take an envelope, put a tea bag inside, simple, seal it, and send it to your non-representing representatives in Congress. They'll get the idea. We're mad as hell and we want our country back. Look in your mirror. There's your leader. Phone your talk radio host. Call for a tax protest. Set your internet communities on fire with the idea. 
But if you decide to do nothing again, then buy a gun. You'll need it. My name is Thomas Paine. Don't give up hope, America. Your country needs a new greatest generation. Answer the call. Get into the fight. It's a good time to be a patriot. The second American Revolution has just begun. Well, Sharon, care to comment? Yeah. <laughs> well, I put in the chat room here a link because that's Bob Basso as Thomas Paine, and he does a fantastic job. And I was with him in San Diego last March, I think it was, I was emceeing the Eagle Forum of California's conference. We had Michelle Bachman there. It was a wonderful time with patriots that get it. And, you know, all I can say that, you know, whether it's uh, Vice President Joe Biden saying that the Taliban are our friends or it's, uh, you know, artsy folks like Whoopi Goldberg that says communism is a great concept that makes perfect sense or, you know, it's President Obama talking to uh, the Russian president saying, you know, just uh, give me a little bit more time here after I'm elected. I'll have more flexibility and, you know, we can uh, come up with a deal in regards to missiles. And I'm sure your folks know about what that's all about. You know, people don't talk the way Thomas Paine talked that you just played in that clip anymore. They don't talk that way. Politicians very rarely talk that way unless they're true patriots because they don't get it. They don't have the passion of a true patriot who loves this country, who understands that, you know, it takes diligence to uh, hold on to freedom. Um, there, We've got politicians, the majority of them, all they care about is holding on to their position. And that is why we're in the state that we are. However, it can turn around. It is never too late. And that's why we try, and I'm sure it sounds like you guys are doing all that you can in your shows to encourage the American people to stand up and to do what needs to be done to take this country back. And that's, again, what the Tea Party was all about, and I hope that the that the Tea Party will be as strong this time around as it was, you know, for the 2010 election where we got so many uh, genuine patriots into the House. Um, you know, that's what it's going to take. It, it's, it's up to us. It's going to fall to our feet because we are the ones, the majority of Americans, if we don't know, you know, who we're voting for, if we don't uh, do our parts, then we deserve what we get. Amen to that. Andrea Shea King. <laughs> yes, I just want to say something else that Thomas Paine said that I think is very uh, pertinent to this. Government, even in its best state, is but a necessary evil. And in its worst state, it's an intolerable one. And I think we're seeing that happening today. I mean, two words were never spoken or predicted for the future. Thomas Paine, a very wise man. Yeah, I love that. I I love the, I love that uh, Bob. It's Bob Basso or Barras, whatever. It's just a great job. I I'm obsessed with listening to that. Annie. Wow. Um, I put up a link inside the chat room on a uh, in a YouTube a video I did uh, about two I think about two or three years ago, and it was on nine twelve, and I spoke about the power of nine twelve. You know, here we face 9-11 and what the nation turned into on 9-12. And this is what we have to coalesce around. That, that 
feeling, that attitude that we all can unite. We're not cowards. We're not going to run. And we have a common cause. But we have to realize that common cause is a parasite called our federal government. And that parasite has to be excised. You know, you have to decide whether or not you're going to let a patriot or someone who is greedy for power and will say anything to con you. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. We're electing con artists. And you have to yeah. be able to to separate the two and and recognize them for what they are. We have an American Idol president and we have an idol public. An idol public that it wants to be spoon fed and they want to watch American Idol dancing with the stars or whatever the flavor of the month is and they don't want to hear bad news. They want to keep those rose-colored glasses on. We've got to rip them off and spur them into action. But we can't force them. We have to make them voluntarily see it. And doing things like this today is a start, but we have to continue. And just you see someone ignoring an issue, you've got to turn around and talk to them. And and, And if you have to get into an argument with it, do it. Don't be afraid to argue. It doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you passionate. I don't think there's anyone on the line here that's afraid to argue. That's for sure when it comes to politics. <laughs> All righty, Jermaine, what do you think? Yeah, I know you've heard well, that before. We played that on our show a couple times now, and I, I agree with everything. That, that, I'm that, obsessed that with that. Ladies. That guy does. That guy does such a such yeah. a great job. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some uh, just some. Uh, also, Andrea, I don't know if you know who Craig Miller is, but he's running for Congress in the third district in Florida. He's going to be yeah. my guest tomorrow night. If you're, uh, if, if, if you, yes, if you at all are interested in uh, in calling in, uh, co-hosting, let me know. I can I can move the time. He's all he's he's a he's a great guy. And also on Thursday, Andrea, I have the president of Hillsdale College. He's going to teach his. Uh, his um, constitutional class, uh, basically, he's going to co-host and uh, what they do to teach at Hillsdale College. He's going to teach here tonight. Anyway, everybody, uh, God, Andrea, I know you've already had a long day. Thanks to everyone. Uh, let's move to closing statements here. Jermaine, we'll start with you, and we'll uh, we'll close with the ladies. Uh, just, you know, thank you, ladies, for helping Cool Mike and myself out tonight, even though I didn't talk much. But uh, When you. is your next Great show, show, Jermaine? In 30 minutes, which is why I was oh, so quiet. But, uh, <laughs> so are you inviting anyone to come? Everybody here is invited. I know, uh, Jermaine. <laughs> you, you never make a good salesman. Jermaine's show is at 1130, which is basically a half hour. I know. If any of you ladies would love to join us, we'd be honored to have you. Feel Mike, free to you should always, you should always put chat. a warning with, with, with before our show because <laughs> it may not be what they're expecting. Yeah. Well, this is the real no-spin zone. Andrea Shaking. I just want to congratulate you on a couple of good guests that you've got coming up, Craig Miller and also the president of Hillsdale College. I'm impressed. Congratulations yeah. and good luck to you. Well, it, it was, uh, you know, you got to, with Dr. Jones gone, and he gives me this time. Also, he's, uh, Dr. Jones is a retired 30-year Marine, so we have a lot of respect for him. But, you know, you got to follow in the footsteps of, of a good person and, you know, you got to be aggressive with some of these people. I don't look at it as a, I'm, maybe I'm not Bill O'Reilly, but so be it. That's how it is. And feel free to come in. Sharon. 
Well, thank you so much for inviting me on and meeting all of you great folks, and I'm so encouraged every time, you know, you guys talk in terms of your enthusiasm and passion and the fact that you get it. And I just want to say that I left some information in the chat room that I talked about to Cass Sunstein's call for a new Bill of Rights. His uh, goal is for a complete new interpretation of the Constitution by 2020, so look in the chat room for that information. And again, my show is every Tuesday and Thursday, 3 Three thirty p. Excuse me, three o'clock p.m. California time, and then I'm on KDIA AM sixteen forty Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturdays. That's out of the San Francisco Bay Area, but you can hear it online as well. All my shows are archived at changingworldviews.com. Thank you for what you are doing for our country, all of you, and thank you for letting me be a part of tonight's show. Now, Sharon, I, I'm holding you. I'm I am going to hold you accountable by the Fourth of July. I'm not only going to have Andrea and Annie back, but I want you to get Deborah and Miss Russo. Woo, she's a cutie from New York. I want to do all five. I want to have all five of you ladies on here, and Playboy Energy will be the official sponsor of the show. So, thank wow, you for showing okay. up. And yeah, I want you to. I definitely want you to spread the word. Someday, someday I'm going to have an empire. You guys will be like, remember when Cool Mike was just a little guy? But anyway. <laughs> Thank you very much, Shannon. I, I'm I can't even thank you enough for being here and uh, stay on hold because Annie, she's my very favorite. You have the last word. Closing statement. Ah, uh, and I thought you didn't love me anymore. <laughs> Please. <laughs> no, and, uh, I just want to let everyone know that you know our show that Cool Mike co-hosts Southern Sense is on Tuesdays and Fridays. 2 p.m. to 3:30 Eastern Standard Time. I mean, this has been a fantastic um, uh, evening. I've enjoyed it, and I- I'm glad that uh, we've had so many people up in the chat room and so forth. Uh, I hope, I hope they get. I-, I know they get the message, and I hope they help us in this fight. Yep, and also tonight, uh, Jermaine and I are. The topic of the show is Hal Fuhr, Obama. We're going to talk about the executive order he has passed. Ladies, thank you. On behalf of Andrea Shea King, Annie Shannon, and Jermaine Thompson, this is Cool Mike for the C. Robert Jones Conservative Hour. Thank you very much, ladies. And I leave with the greatest document in American history ever, ever written. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you our declaration as we close the show. Neither aiming at originality of principle or sentiment, nor yet copied from any particular previous writing, it was intended to be an expression of the American mind and to give to that expression the proper tone and spirit called for the occasion.